famine went through the land. And it was a famine of the word of God. There's coming a day. What are you going to do when you can't find a Bible and social media crashes and you can't get your Bible on your phone? You better have that thing in your heart. Because if it's not there, well, I'm preaching good already. It might take an offering. church in North America well it ain't revelation no but it's truth and it's right if you got your Bibles I want to read two passages of scripture Matthew chapter 3 Matthew chapter 3 will be the first one verse 1 Matthew 3 and verse 1 in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand For this is he that was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. The same John had his raiment of camel's hair and leathern girdle about his loins, And his meat was locusts and wild honey. Verse 3 said, For this is he that was spoken of the prophet Isaiah, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Brother Ron, if you would, if you got somebody back there with you, Brother Brian, just write it down for him. Uh, Isaiah 40, we're going to go there a little bit later, not now. Isaiah 40, 3 through 5. But if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 11. Matthew 11 and verse 1. Matthew 11 and verse 1. Came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his 12 disciples, he preached in their cities. And when John heard, it's the same John the Baptist, this isn't John the beloved. Now, when John the Baptist heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said, Go and shew John again those things which ye do and hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up. The poor have the gospel preached to them. But verse 6, And blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me, offended in me. I want to preach today, Brother Ron, you got Isaiah 40, 3 through 5, jot that one down. John 1, 1 through 6, jot that one down if you would. John 1, 1 through 6, and then Matthew 26, Matthew 26, 26 through 34. I want to preach here this morning from, from a very, very familiar passage of scripture, but from a simple thought, the preparation has been made. Preparation has been made. Now, we've heard from John the Baptist, and we know that story. But before you let your mind go down to what you heard and what you know, let's, let's, let's kind of just pull the reins back and open our spirits one more time. Because the Holy Ghost is going to speak to us today in a different way than you and I have heard from, from John. Let's open our hearts right now. Lift our hands, our voice. It's a sign of that open heart and spirit. Jesus, talk to us today. Lord, let your word that is already anointed, let it go forth with a power and a clarity. 
that, Lord, we have, have never experienced. We need you today, God, more than anything in this world. Help our hearts, our mind, our spirit by the authority of the name of Jesus today. Let it not just be another sermon. God, we could have stayed home and got sermons sitting on the couch. We need a message from God. And I'm asking you, since we're here, impact our hearts with your word like never before. In Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. Brother Ron, let's start with Matthew uh, 3 and Isaiah 40. We're going to toggle between those two. Matthew chapter 3 and, and verse 2. Here is, is the precursor and the preliminary introduction to what was coming. Everything that you and I have read in the Old Testament, we were, or we are very blessed in the fact that we have the whole book, what we call the Bible. We, we know the beginning to the end of the story. You read it uh, systematically. Uh, you study it chronologically. Uh, you and I can see a very clear timeline that the children of Israel in their plight and struggle and God calling them out as a chosen people that he picked, they needed help, they needed something more than a God that lived out among them that they knew and witnessed his great power, but there was coming a day that that God would live in them and would walk with them, would talk with them, it was unfamiliar to these children of Israel. So all they ever knew was the stories. Much of the generation at this particular point, the writing of Matthew, the generation that had been there at Mount Sinai had gone away. The people that had been there and saw the fire on Mount Sinai and the mountain quaking and the, the thundering voice of God from the mountain that, that even the scripture bears out that when the people heard it in the Old Testament, they said to Moses, listen, we don't need to hear him and see him. We just want to talk to you. Because everything about him, it brings a fear. It brings something uh, to us that we, we, we don't, we, we're, not unsure, we're unsure and we don't understand. Much of that generation that had been a part of that had passed. And not much, all of it. They were gone. They were not there. And now you've got a new generation that's come up. But yet it had been passed on through the ages. There's coming a Messiah. There's coming a man. There's coming not just a man, but I, Jesus, was the fulfillment of what God was in the Old Testament. I will come unto you is what he said. God of the Old Testament, the Spirit of God. That thing that they couldn't really see. God is a spirit. He has no arms. He has no legs. He does not have a head. God is a spirit. He feels all the, the atmosphere around you and I. And that God said, I'm going to come and I'm going to robe myself in flesh and I'm going to manifest myself. But before that happened and before the debut of what he was going to be, the tabernacle in the flesh, there was a man by the name of John. John and Jesus are cousins. John was the declarer of who Jesus was was and Matthew picks it up so clear in his beginning verse 2 says here was the message of John repent he was trying to dig up the ground he was trying to dig up the heart he was trying to wake up 
the complacency. But yet it was more than just a man preaching a message. It was a man trying to prepare a way. We hear many times the message, but yet we don't understand why the message. We hear message after message and sermon after sermon. But every time you and I hear a message from the word of God about the, the, the man Christ Jesus or God manifested in the flesh. It's got one objective. It's trying to prepare a way for you and I that we can come back to God and have a relationship with him. That's what every sermon should be about. How can I build a relationship with God? How can I walk with God? How how can I talk with God? How can I hear from God? How can I know the will of God? Folks, if we're ever living an hour, we need to know the voice of God. It's now. And God wants you to hear that. God is not as far as you and I think he is. God is not way out here aloof in some field asleep. But God is attentive to the cries of his people Every day, every minute, every second, every hour. And he never departs from the ability to hear what you and I call on his name for. It never stops. And he don't ever stop hearing. And John is standing with a strong hand of affirmation. Repent for the kingdom of heaven. That's a message inside of itself. I'll just touch it real quick. The kingdom of heaven is about to come where you are. Not some man's kingdom. Not some, some, some uh, king's kingdom that you're familiar with through the years. But the king of kings is about to come and establish the kingdom of heaven in your midst. He was trying to prepare and open something up in the minds and the hearts of people. Their minds had become so cloudy their minds had become so judgmental. Their minds had become so inundated by religiosities and, and just kind of habitual things. They had learned to go through the motion and never really had an experience with the God that gave emotion. It was just kind of movement and I, I just kind of go through it and do it. And John was there on the muddy banks of Jordan and he was declaring, you've got to repent. You've got to turn. Because the direction you're going is not the direction that he's prepared for you. It's not the place he prepared. He's got another place for you. You are making your own bed. You're making your own way. You're making your own path. And you've got to turn from it. That's John's message. And that's the one we hear. And we're so common. Just me brushing it right now. I can feel the bristle in the spirit. We don't want to hear that because we don't want to change. We want to stay the, say the same way we've always been and expect, expect God to just tolerate it. It don't work that way. You and I are not an island unto ourselves. We're not, we're not an entity unto our own automation. The only reason you and I are breathing right now in this service is because God's breathed the breath of life into you and I. And at any moment, God will take his hand off and the breath of death will be, it'll be just taken away. I'm at his mercy. And John, with such a fervor and passion, is trying to scream it with everything he's got on the muddy banks of Jordan and declaring 
There's a man here. There's something prepared for you. There's something changing for you. I can't help but think sometimes in that moment that as John is speaking and, and declaring with some of his old family around, with some of his kinfolk around, did some of his brothers and sisters, I don't know, the Bible doesn't say, but did some cousins and some aunts or mamas or daddy, grandpa, friends, neighbors, cousins, somebody, did they gather around John's moment to shout something's coming to prepare? Who was it around him that was trying to wrestle with the, the John component of, this is just John. This is just oh Elizabeth and Zachar, Zacharias' boy. This is just this is that crazy boy. That his daddy was crazy. He come out of the temple and couldn't speak. He was dumb. This is just John. That's one element. But what about the element John had with Jesus? This is cousin. This is family. God's calling you, John, to declare a message that goes beyond your family connections. This goes beyond your family and what you're connected to. Yeah, Jesus is blood, great. But there are some things that God calls you and I to that goes beyond our family connections. I thank God for family. Hang around here long enough. I've said it over and over. Strong families build strong churches. But yet in all of that, I cannot lose my first calling as to what God's called me to do and what God's called you to do. And I can't let a friend, I can't let a family, I can't let one entity separate me from what God's called me to do. Because what he's called you and I to do is to prepare a way just like he did John. On, I wish I would have been there the day that his appointment came and God just sweeped up on, on John's side and said, I need you to go to Jordan. I need you to go because something's about to happen. And I need you to go. I don't know the conversation, but I wonder how that conversation went between John and God. It's time for you to go. It's time for you to declare See, because everything is riding on your willingness to do what I ask you to do. Every prophecy I have, everything I've told you is riding on you being in the right place at the right time declaring what I told you or I'm going to tell you what to declare. And John appoints or shows up at the appointment. Next verse. And as soon as he's there, the Bible says he called repentance and then he says this is that which was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying the voice of one crying in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the Lord. It would just be fitting and it would be unfitting if I didn't stop and interject Isaiah 40 and whatever verse I gave you. John was quoting Isaiah 40. John was quoting the same prophecy 
that Isaiah was telling the people of God while they were in captivity in Babylon and Assyria. And, and Isaiah stands up and he again as a mouthpiece trying to prepare the way for the people because they were in the midst of incarceration. They were in the midst of these problems. They were in the midst of losing family and finances and situations that were not conducive. But God raised up the prophet Isaiah to tell them there's coming one that's going to prepare a way that when you walk in that way that fight is going to begin to pale in comparison that hopelessness is going to begin to pale that desperation that you're feeling and feeling like everything's falling apart when you get on the path that God's prepared for you something begins to come together let me help somebody if your life is in chaos well I've heard that well, I need Jesus. Well, I've heard that. And Jesus ain't never done nothing for me. You know why? Because you're offended. I'm going to get to the end. Just I, get, I let the cat out the bag just a little bit. I'm preaching on offense today. Oh, there went the crowd just like, woo. Benoit, you get so personal. Here's John. Isaiah both declaring there's a prepared way but just because God uses you or me to be the voice to declare it don't mean God has to do what I tell him to do and Isaiah declares that there's coming one that's going to prepare the way now in the original writing of Isaiah it's all caps L-O-R-D and many of you that are here on Wednesday nights, you, you've heard me teach on this. L-O-R-D was the, was the, uh, the, the when you see L-O-R-D in the Old Testament, that's the name of God. Translating back all the way back in the Hebrew is Jehovah, even further than that, the Tetragrammaton, Yahweh. No, no vowels were in there. That was the name of God for the people. So when you see L-O-R-D in all caps in the Old Testament, it's the name of God. The name, the fulfillment of that name had not been revealed. Jesus is the fulfillment of that name. Jehovah salvation. That's why all through the Old Testament it was Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Tiskanu, Jehovah Jehovah. It was progressive revelations for the final manifestation of his name. Jesus. And Isaiah had a piece of the puzzle declaring there's one coming. But Isaiah did not just use a random term. Adonai or just a, He declared there's one coming that is God. Lord, God, Elohim, the mighty God that created everything. One God that spoke worlds into existence. Now if there was a second person to a trinity, then Isaiah would have got it right there and said, God's going to send his son. There was no eternal son, S-O-N. It didn't exist. And Isaiah saying, God who created all of this, it's going to come and manifest himself in the flesh. God's going to come. Lord is going to come and prepare the way. So when you go back to Matthew 3, John is saying, or Matthew's saying, John declares the one of the Old Testament that manifested himself in the flesh. Matthew 3, the voice of one crieth in the wilderness. That's the prophecy. 
but that's going to prepare the way of the Lord. Now it's not in all caps. It's capital L, lower caps O-R-D, Adonai. But the translation is the same. I'll never forget, I was doing a Bible study years ago. You'd familiar, Randy Perry was dealing with a big architect fella. And me and him had a conversation talking about this because they kept saying that Jesus was nothing more than Michael, the archangel manifested in the flesh. A Jehovah Witness, that's who it was. And me and Randy Perry was talking about that. And we were working with this guy trying to talk. He kept saying, Jesus was just Michael the archangel. And I said, then how do you explain Isaiah saying, God who created everything, who's a spirit? There's no reference to sonship in the Old Testament. It's prophecy. There's something coming. But there's no existent one there. Everything in the Old Testament, what you find existent, is God is a spirit. And he would manifest himself as numerous three authors, rows of Sharon, bright and morning star, the Alpha, the Omega. He would manifest himself, burning bush, the, the, the angel there that came to Abram at Mambry, the plains of Mambry. It's theophanies, manifestations, but no eternal sonship. And what they were pointing to was an eternal God that they could not see. He had no arms, no legs, nothing was going to come and manifest himself in the flesh. And what John is declaring here to all of those on the bay, this is not the Son. This is God manifested in the flesh from the Old Testament. It's not a multiplicity of God, two or three. Go to John 1. And we're going to go back to Matthew. John 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. John 1 and 1. Let's go with it, Brother Ron, verse by verse. He said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Next verse. The same in the beginning with God. Next verse. All things were created by Him, not them. If the Son was co-eternal, it would have said them. All things were created by them. There's no them. There was one God in the beginning. There was no eternal Jehovah Junior to the right or to the left. It was God on the throne alone by himself. Isaiah said beside him there is no other. But you see these pictures showing a God the Son to the right. That's an improper picture. There's no scripture for that. That's not Bible. That's man-made imagination. Because Isaiah said to the beside me there's nothing else. And then Isaiah says I alone created the heavens and the earth. I didn't consult with Jehovah Junior. I didn't consult with God the Holy Ghost. I did it all by myself. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made. Next verse. And in him was the life and the life was the light of men. Next verse. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Next verse. And a man, here it is, sent from God. Now, if I had a real fast toddler, you'd go say right there, Brother Ron, but Galatians says, When the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. Galatians 4 4. Now, many times people say, Well, Jesus was sent. No, 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 no. You need to study it right. Because if Jesus was sent and that made him eternal, then John's eternal because he was sent from God too. Now we got four gods. Is John eternal? No. Was the man Jesus eternal? No. For John 3 says it like this. For he was begotten of the Father. 
We take the term father and son and we try to apply it to a person. It's not a person. They're just terms, designated terms of what they did in action. He fathered creation. As a son, he shed blood. As a Holy Spirit that could live within man, it redeemed, or it caused you and I to come back in relationship with him. And there was a recreation by the Spirit. So John was not something other than a man that God appointed for a specific time to do a specific job. Now hold on. I'm turning, I'm turning gears on you real fast. Go back to Matthew. Matthew 3. And here's John. Camel skin, wild honey, locusts, sin of God, appointed great man, the declarer and the precursor and forerunner to Jesus. I don't know about you, but if in my opinion, John was the man. Bible even says no one greater. John was that. And he declares it and he baptizes Jesus and we go through the whole dove descending and all of this stuff. And John, who had such a powerful beginning. Now, go to John, or Matthew 11. Matthew 11. John had all of these things going for him. I'm the one preparing the way. I'm the one. How many of us in this building today, God's used you in some degree or caliber. Maybe you've taught Sunday school. Maybe you witnessed to somebody. Maybe just you lived for God. You've done something for God. You witnessed to somebody. You invited them to church. You've done something. You've prepared the way. You've done everything in your power to try to live right, godly. You're John. You did everything. You were appointed by God to be on that job at that time to speak to those people. You were appointed by God. You didn't get that job on your own. Come on, that's pride. The only reason you could even work today and you got help is because God's been good to me and you. God gave you that job. God gave you that promotion. God gave you that contract. God put that money in your bank. All you and I did was follow the goodness of God. And John did all of this just like you and I. And now the tables turn. And John's sitting in prison. Verse 2, Brother Rob. And John's sitting in prison. The word offense in verse 6. Don't go there. We'll go there in a minute. It means stumbling block to stumble to falter to get knocked down and here's John that did such a mighty declaration lived for God done everything he was called to do but for Jesus to have to tell John blessed is him that is not offended John struggled with offense For John to be told, John, there's a blessing for you because you're not being offended. You're not stumbling at what I didn't do. You wanted me to do. And because you're not stumbling and you're not falling, but yet you're 
somewhere in John's yesterdays. I don't know, Brother Darrell. That's why I started with the whole family thing. Maybe he had problems. Jesus, come on now. We're, we're family. You should help me out. Why wouldn't you come get me out of prison? And John's stuck in prison when his own family leaves him there because Jesus' calling was higher. I'm just contemplating whether I should say it or not. He loves family, but God's will for your life is greater. And some things in family gets lost for the cause of God. Some relationships in families don't work out exactly as planned. I've seen it before. You got couples that come, and, 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 and you rare, rare, rare story here. But she comes from a different faith, Catholicism, and he he had a father that preached it, Pentecost, but yet didn't live it. And you got a rare situation here. But I've seen it more times than not. You got one. You'd have woke up and said, "I'm ready to live for God," and she would have said, "No." She would have said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm holding to what my mama told me in Catholicism. I'm just going to interject this real quick because you know I'm going to interject it. You better make sure that what you're following and believing is correct doctrine. But you see, the will of God is pulling and saying, come on, I, I need you not to stumble. Because I'm not doing what you want me to do. And John's in prison now. And he's struggling in his faith. And he says. Next verse. He sent two of his disciples and says. Hey. Is this really him? Did I really pay the price for something valuable? Did I really on that day on Jordan's banks and I stood there and declared, here's one I'm not worthy to tie the latches on his shoes. And I, I fought Pharisees. I fought Sadducees. I fought men that were full of, they were full of dead men's bones. They were vipers. And he said, I turned to them and he said, I messed up all the religious folk of that area. I called them, they were lost. John said, I picked a fight with people for what? I thought I was doing it under the banner of truth. I'm declaring, I'm declaring, I'm declaring. And John had a moment of stumbling and goes, was all this worth it? Was all these fights in the spirit and, and, and telling the Pharisees and Sadducees they're lost and going, was it real? Now I can't even go to church no more because they're not going to have me in church because I got kicked out. How bad are you willing to walk on the prepared way? How much, Brother Joe, are we willing to walk on this path that we call the gospel of Jesus Christ that says you got to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins? How much do we want to do? Well, I don't know if it really takes repentance in Jesus' name. Let, let me quote that one more time again. Repent, because Mark says it like this. John came and he preached repentance. Repentance, that's the first thing. Acts 2.38, repent, that's death. 
I die to myself. But now watch me. This is why I can't buy into these people that just kind of keep you and I in death. Yes, I got to die daily. But there's a greater hope. Once I die and I bury my old man, there's a resurrection and joy that I have through the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You say, well, I, I don't get a... I repent. Repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. If I just repent and say, God, I'm not going to live like this no more, and I turn, that's not enough. You and I saying I'm sorry is not enough. Because I can say I'm sorry, God forgive me. But if I don't go down in that water in Jesus' name, I'm still carrying my dead sins on me. It don't go away. So therefore, that's why you got people, they'll come and they'll repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And they choose to turn. But if they don't repent and are baptized in the name of Jesus, those sins are not remitted. So you carry them. And you wait till there's a cancer bed and you're laying there at 80 years old begging God for mercy and it's too late and I can't get you in the water. I've had people ask me that. Well, if I can't get to the water, I'm 80 years old, and I can't get to about, God will be merciful to me, and he will let me go to heaven because I ain't never been baptized. That's the most foolish thing I ever heard in my life. You had 80 years. Is God merciful? Look, we'll do everything we can to get you in the tank and baptize you in Jesus' name. But I cannot get away from the gospel. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the word of God. That's not a Pentecostal thing. That's a word of God thing. And it don't end there. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. But here's the kicker, and I keep saying it over and over. Far, far, far. The word far in the original Greek, ice, E-I-S. It means, Brother Joe, it's a preposition. And it means moving forward in two. That's why you can't just repent and say, I'm sorry, and things go away. You've got to move forward into Jesus Christ. I've got to move into the waters of baptism. That that name, that there's no other name by which men must be saved than by the name of Jesus. Not God the Father, not God the Son. That ain't there. That's just a title. i got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Because that's the only saving name that can take away my sin. You say, well, God the Father, God the Son's in the Bible. Great. What are we doing with that? That's a form of baptism. Matter of fact, that's one of the strongest monotheistic scriptures we have on the oneness. God the Father, God the Son. That's the idols. That's not people. That's why I don't baptize in the name of titles. There's no authority in a title. You go to the bank and you sign your check. You don't sign it, son. You don't sign it, father. You don't sign it that. That's a title. It has no authority. But when you put your name on the check, the bank says, okay, there's the authority. I'm going to now take your money or give you back money. If you're going to see an exchange from heaven, you got to take on his name. And the only way you're going to get the things of heaven is put his name on your heart. And that's done in the waters of baptism as you move forward. Repentance is not a stop. It's just a starting place to get you and I there. So, John, let's get back to the message. 
John's in prison, Brother Darrell, and he's struggling. And he says, do I need to send, send two disciples to go find him? Because I'm struggling. Did I do the right thing? Because everything I thought, me and old cuz was going to get it together. We were going. The will of God and the plan of God supersedes all family things. He wants family in it. But you can never not do the will of God for the sake of somebody that won't. I'm telling you. And chaos happens in people's lives because they won't do the will of God. I know people that like, they won't get married. But it's okay to have a list. They can just kind of keep shacking up and having sex. Oh, I said the bad word in church. I'm sorry. Y'all watch it on TV. Don't I just hit another stump. My God. I'm short on worms today because I'm tired and hungry. But yet it's okay. And then you wonder why all hell breaks loose in a home. It's because we're not in the will of God. And then watch. Then when all hell breaks loose and problems start happening and all these things start messing up, what happens? We get offended. We're stumbling at God when really God's looking at us going, I've been trying to tell you. I got a prepared way and path for you that only I have for you. And your peace is only going to come when you walk that prepared way and that path. And the peace of God will come. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the mistakes I've made. You don't know the errors I've made in my yesterdays. God is a merciful God. A whole lot more merciful than people. And God will forgive you and I time and time again if we'll turn to him and say, God, forgive me for what I've done. Help me, God, to get on that path. Help me to move beyond my offense. I'm mad at God. I'm mad at my life I'm come on who wants to get honest we're mad at ourselves. we're offended at ourselves that we would do something so foolish can I get anybody that would be honest other than me as the preacher I'll put my neck first one on the block I've done some dumb things Sister Bushnell I mean just dumb things that I knew I shouldn't have done that's why I can't ever buy into these guys and people say they talk the talk spiritually. Well, I got it all together. No, you don't. It's only by the grace of God that we're even standing here tonight, today. But how many times I said, God, if you'll help me. God, I, I, I'm, I'm offended at myself. I'm mad at myself. And you know what, God? I'm kind of a little mad at you because it didn't work out like I thought it was going to work out. I wouldn't be in this predicament, God, if you wouldn't have got me to. Let me put my head on the block. I wouldn't be in this predicament, God, if you wouldn't ask me to preach that message. I wouldn't be in this situation if you wouldn't have gave me that sermon to preach. I could have just preached follow la la and love, love, love and hunky-dory and everything's blissful and everything would have been good. We could have packed the place out. But instead, I had an appointment and I'm in prison and I'm going, is this really, is this really real? Maybe I'm the only preacher that I do it, but I could. God, is this real? God, are you really coming soon? Because I feel something, but yet my something that I'm feeling ain't measuring up with some other thing. God, I need you to help me while I'm in prison because I'm offended. I'm offended because of what they did. I'm offended because of what you did. I'm offended because of what God did. And I'm offended because of what I did. Who would get honest today? As I close, I'm offended. 
was stumbling. And John's in prison, stumbling over things that he thought was going to happen. He thought the marriage was going to work out, and it didn't. Not John. I'm just. He thought the family situation was going to work out. We were all going to sit on the row as a family. Wally Beaver and leave it to Beaver. Y'all don't know nothing about Wally Beaver, do you? No. No. But I'm offended because where I am, it's not working out. Home's not working out. My marriage ain't working out. My health ain't working out. My finances ain't working out. My life ain't working out. And I'm looking at God while I'm in prison. And I'm saying, is this all really real? Somebody here today, you're sitting here going, now preacher, you stirred me up, you made me mad, you made me laugh, you did all that. And you still say, is all this really real? Does it take all of that to walk with God? Does it take all of that to walk in a prepared way? Just ask John. He says, is this real? Go to the next verse. And Jesus said, go tell John what you see. See, because John can't see it, he's in prison. Just like you and I can't see God working in our life, just like he promised. But our offense against God, I'm stumbling against God, I'm stumbling against my, my own personal mistakes, failures, and I can't see it. And Jesus says, just go tell him what you see. Sometimes you need somebody else to tell you God's on your side. God's doing just what he said. You ain't so far gone that God can't help you and work in your life. It's nothing over till that breath leaves that body. And he says, go tell him what you see. Next verse. The blind see. Deaf hear. Lepers are cleansed. The poor is hearing the gospel. The kingdom of God is here. That's what he told him. He wasn't just telling him on some uh, try to get excited kick. Hey, people are being healed. That's not what he was saying. What he was telling John, I could sum it up in one verse. The kingdom of heaven that you preached, it's here. You did your job. You did what you were supposed to do. Now, you might have fought Pharisees, Sadducees. You might have fought family. You might have even fought my uncle, my, my, uh, Jesus' Mary, all his family. Who knows what you fought? But John, it was worth it. It was worth it. And he closes and says, blessed is he that's not offended. Last verse, go there, Brother Ron, and I close. Musicians come. Matthew 26, Brother Ron. Matthew 26, verse 26. Y'all can come. Sister Lisa, Sister Lisa, Matthew 26. 26 through 34. <clears throat> this is Peter's story. And Jesus is talking to his disciples and explaining to them. Hey, here's what's about to happen. Jesus said, I say unto thee that this night before the cock crow, go to verse 26, Brother Ron, verse 26. That's my close. Yep, Matthew 26 and verse 26. 26, 26, that's it. And they were eating and Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. Next verse. And he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them saying, drink. Next verse. 
For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many in remission of sins. So there it is. He's saying this thing of blood and remission of sins is not always going to be received by some people. Just like today. Repent, be baptized, everyone in the name of Jesus Christ. It's not always going to be received. It's the word of God, but it's not received. Why? Why? Because somewhere in that individual's past, they're offended at God. We're mad at God because God didn't let our marriage stay together or God didn't let our family stay together or we didn't get the job we wanted or our health went down south. My my daddy beat me. My mama beat me. I was molested. And whatever it is, people in the church hurt me, a preacher hurt me, a saint hurt me, the Democrats hurt me, Republicans, Unitarians, somebody. We've all had a moment. He's saying, Remission of sins is not going to be easy received. Watch, go to the next verse. But I say unto you, I will not drink henceforth till the fruit of the vine until that drink it. Next verse, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven. And when they went out, they sang. They had just a great old time of church. Singing and loving and everything's wonderful. Next verse. Then Jesus said, there's going to be some that's going to stumble no matter how well we sing it. No matter how well we have church, no matter what song we, you can sing, I'll fly away and people are going to stumble. Or you can sing that last song and people are going to stumble. Why? Jesus said it in Matthew 24, be your homework. Go read Matthew 24. He said the sign of the end time is people are going to be offended over everything. The air conditioner is too cold. I just hit the sacred cow. I'm up here pouring sweat so you can be warm. Everybody just got any little thing. He said, when this thing's over, all of you boys, my selected 12, my faithful few, you're going to even be offended. Now, if Jesus told that to the great apostle Peter, Paul, I mean, uh, uh, James, these men of great faith. He said, you're going to be offended. Why? Because of this night. I'm fixing to do something that you don't like. I'm fixing to die. And you don't want that. For it is written, I'll smite the shepherd next verse. And watch. But after I shall rise again, he gives them the message. Repent. Be baptized in Jesus' name. Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to die. I'm going to be buried. I'm going to resurrect. He gives the gospel message. And watch. Next verse. And Peter says, Whoa, I'm better than those other 11. I'm stronger in faith than all of them. I'm better than all the other 11 apostles. I'm strong. I will not stumble because of thee. Yet I will, man, that's some strong words. That's why I've heard people say, I'll never do this for God. You better watch out. You're going to end up doing what you said you'd never do. Be better, just don't say nothing. Because <laughs> I've said something, I'll never, and sure enough, Brother Bushnell, I was doing what I said I'd never do. And I learned a long time. He said, never. Next verse, watch this. And Jesus said, I say unto you, what you said you'll never do, stumble and fall, you will fall. Almost pulled the scripture out. I'm out of time. Stand with me. 
Scripture in Deuteronomy. God speaking to his people. He said, I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to back off that I might prove you to show you really. And sometimes, hear me. This is the last statement here. I'll close. Sometimes God backs off. God backs off of our health, our marriage, our finances, situations that we're dealing with in life. God sometimes will back off. You say, well, things are great for me right now. Well, great. I'm happy for you. But it don't always work that way. There are times in life, valleys are going to come and situations are going to come. And what God does is he backs off. And he does it for one reason, that he might prove you and I for one thing. God gets no joy out of us falling. He gets no joy out of us failing. God's not over there going, yay, I hope Kyle falls and commits adultery. God is not doing that. But God will allow problems to come to prove one thing. You're human and you're going to stumble. And you got to realize I need him when I'm standing upright and I need him when I fall down. Brother Roger, one of the greatest lessons I ever learned is, is, is when valleys and problems come, boy, we put the fire on and we pray. And we should. We pray, we fast, because we're in the middle of health problems, family problems, whatever it may be. And we do all that. But you know what I found is a greater thing that the Lord likes? Is when things are going pretty good and I'm not in a valley. And I just say, Lord, I'm going to fast today just because I want to get close to you. Lord, I'm going to pray today with all of my heart today. Not because I have a problem and I need you to fix anything. I'm just going to do it because you're so good and wonderful to me. You see, I, I'm saying while I'm standing, I'm going to lift your hands. And when I stumble, I'm going to lift my hands to you. Regardless of where I am, God, you've prepared. What John did for us was this. He didn't just prepare the way for Jesus. He prepared the way for me and you to teach us how do you overcome offense? How do I overcome stumbling? I reach back up again and say, God, I can't do it without you. That's it. I can't save myself. I can't fix my family. I can't fix my body. I can't fix my job. But God, I know that if I put my hand in your hand and I walk with you, You've got an ability to give me the strength that I can't find on my own. Anybody in this building today just need the hand of God just to slip into your hand and say, you know what? I prepared a way for you. I got something for you today. I got something more for you today. You don't have to go down the road. You don't have to go down through more depression and hardship and, and, and brokenness of heart. Come on, grab the hand to the person next to you. Most of us, family, husband and wife, if you're alone, still come. I invite everybody. Come, let's come together. And let's lift that hand that you're holding to heaven right now together as a family. And say, God, I need you today to help me. God, I need your help today. I need your strength today. I need your favor today. God, I feel a little weak in my body, my mind. My, my mind is not just clear today. I'm struggling in relationships. I'm struggling with things today that I normally don't struggle with. I'm struggling. Come on, somebody. You're battling with things that's not in your nature to battle with. The enemy's trying to tear you down. There's a God in heaven today that's just passing by. And he's just going to pass by you and encourage you today. That's all he's trying to do. God's not trying to put you down, destroy you. He is trying to get you and I to realize and be honest. God, I need you. I can't make it without you. Jesus will be 
close your eyes, bow your head, everybody individually right now. Just close your eyes, bow your head. I want to make a statement here, and then I'm going to let you pray by yourself, and I'm going to dismiss you. The translation of that scripture, when Jesus said, Blessed is he that is not offended in me, the translation says, Blessed is the man that lets me run my business like I want to run it. The kingdom of heaven is ran by God, not a church. That's why I've said this before. This ain't my church. This is God's church. I'm just the undershepherd. You're God's child. You're God's saint. And God knows the struggle and the battle you're going through. But somewhere in this, you've got to take your hands off of it and say, God, run your business like you want to run it. I'm not going to get offended no matter the outcome. That's a hard prayer to pray, but I'm going to ask you right now to pray it because your family coming to the house of God or your marriage or finances, these things that need to be corrected, they're only going to be corrected when you get your hand off of it and let God have his way. One more time, lift your voice right now. Close your eyes. I don't want nobody looking around. Come on, this is between individuals right now. Tell God, God, I'm going to let you run your business like you want, your kingdom. God, I take my hand off of it right now. God, I can't control this. I can't control my spouse, my kids. All I can do is do what you called me to do. That's why I said it. The will of God goes beyond family. you got to take responsibility. God, today I'm going to do your will. I'm going to do what you called me to do. I'm going to do what I can to affect my kids. I'm going to do what I can to affect my son, my daughter. Regardless of what my spouse may do or not do. Regardless of what this community may do or not do. I'm going to serve you, God. And I'm going to let you run your business like you.